I've been proud. Treading water that they drown. I head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. And guys, I am super excited about tonight's podcast. You know, John, super busy with work. Mung, he's in he's in Mexico right now. But we got we got Josh, we got Mike. We are super excited for tonight. And we're going to talk to you about how to do your fantasy football negotiations. You know, a lot of you are like, hey, dad, you talk about these trades all the time. You talk about you're doing this player for that player. But how did you get there? How did you work through that process? And no two better guys to deal with that on different areas of the spectrum than the guys we have on tonight. Mike, welcome back to the show at Fantasy Nerd Boy. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm always happy to fill in for for Mung or John and come in here and, and talk. I think last time I was on, we we're actually talking about, you know, how to start trade negotiations, how to talk through an actual trade and um, to do that respectfully and, and in the right manner, you know, can get you pretty far. So uh, I'm excited to expand on that and then, you know, get into uh, a lot of the other stuff that we, we talked about before too. So. Yeah, and you and I have made a bunch of trades in some of our Smash Leagues, so I'm excited to break some of those down and talk about how we really go through it. I mean, I think a lot of people really struggle with player X for player Z, but how do we get to that final step? How do we get to where we really want to be? You know, and I'm uh, on the opposite side, Josh, you know, you're, you're always always winning, you know, in, in Smash 3 and other leagues, but we've made a couple trades, and I'm excited to have you on the show again at JB Undershepherd. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, and with, uh, with John and mung out i think mike and i are playing the super sub role you know that's right speaking you know world cups going on got me thinking you know hey it's sometimes that sub that you need to to just get you over the top and that's what we're going to provide tonight and uh, i'm looking forward to learning to and chatting through all, all this stuff about trade hey you guys aren't subs i mean what i'm super excited about i love <laughs> what we've done through the patreon and like i've been so impressed with the way that you guys have helped people in the Patreon, how you've helped them negotiate. And what we're going to do is we're going to start out talking about negotiations, but we're going to switch over to, you know, our future podcast. And we're super excited of what you guys are going to do for Smash Accept. So without further ado, let's talk about negotiations. I mean, step one for me, and this is what we really got to get into is, is we talk about it all the time on the podcast. It's know your league mates, do your homework. I mean, I think a lot of people just blindly offer okay well you know what I don't want Najee Harris I'm going to throw him to Josh you know or I don't want Leonard Fournette anymore I'm going to sh- throw him to Mike and that's not how a good trade negotiation works you know you guys want to do your homework before you negotiate even research that player's team so if I want to trade with Josh I'm looking at his team I'm looking at his tendencies I can go through and I can see all the trades that he's made this year I can go up and look at his upcoming schedule I can look at the injuries on his team there's so much to really look at and I feel like 90% of the dynasty owners out there Josh are just literally being like you know what I don't want Najee Harris I'm gonna go give him to Josh you know and I feel like that's such a narrow-headed minded mode where you're just like you're just making it where it's it's gonna kill the negotiations right off the bat and I think step one is so important of doing your homework and just looking into not just what you have but the other guys team yeah I think I think you're exactly right um you know, one little element of doing your homework sometimes is knowing, uh, you know, what team they cheer for as well. You know, yeah. knowing your lead, league mates because they're going to be a little biased towards uh, some of their favorite players. Uh, but like you said, it doesn't make sense to um, to trade a running back to an already loaded running back room. You know, they're not going to feel the need for that um, if they're getting older, that, that the team that you're trading with is getting older, they might want to get younger. So you might need to and, and, and kind of mention that to them. Hey, I see a couple of your players are getting a little bit older. How about I send you this player, get you a little younger with some more upside and helps me out for this year. So absolutely. If you're not even considering, um, would you do it if you were them? Then that's just foolish. And that's how you get some of those insulting offers. Yeah, and, and Mike, you and I have made several trades over the last couple of months, and I, I think the biggest thing is, as a volume trader, you and I both are, is like, we're looking at everybody's rosters, and one thing that I try to look at is like, how can I make the other guy's team better? Like, a lot of times we just look at 
I want to dump this guy, but talk to me about how you're looking at it. I mean, we're looking into week 13. How are you looking at rosters right now, right? Like most leagues have a trade deadline this week or next week. The Smash Leagues, no trade deadline. Josh, we won't even talk about the uh, trade deadline versus no trade deadline. But Josh, talk me through your thought process right now. Like how do you go about that first initial, you know, conversation? Go ahead, Mike. Hey, he was kicking it to you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I meant Mike. No, no, no. That's cool. Um, yeah, I, I always get DMs and they're always asking me, you know, who could I trade this guy for and who could mm-hmm. I trade that guy for? And like I said, you have to go through a giant process before I can even assess who that guy is going to be traded for. Because realistically, you know, like you mentioned, we have to look at these rosters. We have to figure out where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, um, what direction they're going. Are they, you know, on the plus side? Are they making the playoffs? Are they out of the playoffs? There's so many things that you really have to consider. Um, so right now, you know, if I'm competing on my teams, I'm looking at all the tanking teams um, and where they are and what they have going on. And if they're, you know, have some aging stars, if they, mm-hmm. you know, have uh, Kamara or a, a, even a Diggs at this point, if you can get him off of an aging team, the team that's, you know, um, pretty low down in the standings and, I'm just plucking any any value, anybody that they yeah. can actually, and then I'm I'm selling it to them too. I'm saying, hey, you're gonna get, I'm gonna give you an insulated trade. You know, I'm gonna give you somebody that can comparatively, you know, produce um, with this guy, and then I'm gonna give you a pick on top of that, or you know, something in the along those lines where it's gonna help them rebuild and it's gonna help me compete. Yeah, that's great because what I'm doing right now is like I'm literally going on Sleeper. I love Sleeper HQ. I love the fact that you can pull up Tyreek Hill and see who has him in every league, right? So you can go in there and you can look and just be like, all right, which team is outside the top six that has Tyreek Hill, that has Devontae Adams, that has Stefan Diggs, that has Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, those guys who I can offer for. And if I'm on the flip side, you know, I'm in so many leagues where, you know, three of the smash leagues I've chosen to have a year one productive struggle. By the way, Josh, you see, I got my 10th, 23 first, 10 of them, baby, yeah. you know, uh, overpaid a little bit, but it's just been a fun process. But I mean, even then I'm looking at rosters and I, I'm going to be honest, I'm looking at yours right now and you have Cooper Cup and I'm like, what kind of moves can I make? Cause he doesn't need Cooper Cup or I have Mike White, who we're going to talk about a little bit later on all my teams and he balled out this weekend. And now I have Mike White on, I have him on 14 of my 17 teams you know what? I don't need him on all those teams. So I'm starting to shop him a little bit. So, I mean, Josh, as a contender this time of year, I mean, you, you're you in so many leagues where you're contending. Talk to me a little bit about what you're looking for. I mean, we're doing that homework, but it's like, where are we looking and how are you looking to start that initial negotiation? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, first of all, let me just give a plug for this show. The, this There are reasons why you need to watch or listen to a podcast like this, and that's sometimes... Uh, you need to get outside of your comfort zone. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, sometimes you might not like mortgaging the future for a championship, but you need to do it if you have a window that is win now. So you guys do a great job of that. And that's something that I'm even trying to learn even more. But how you approach that is you look at a guy that is not going to help you this year. Um, you mentioned Cooper Cup, um, obviously kind of aging anyway, but he's not going to be back for when you need him. Uh, so he makes, uh, but he still has great value to somebody who doesn't need to win. So you look at who's not helping you. I think on my roster, I've got guys like, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley and, and Cooper Cup and um, Kyle Pitts, for example, you know, who probably wasn't helping me anyway when he was healthy. But uh, r- regardless, guys like that, that still have a lot of value. And you're thinking, how can I maximize my window with my uh, veterans? Because if you are not... Um, contending uh or rebuilding what are you doing you're you know you need to you're right in that middle that's a dead zone man yeah you got you got to go for it or you got to commit to next year Um, so that's something that i'm trying to do and basically teams like yourself or other teams that are out of it you look and you see hey who can i pluck that will help me right now while not um you know well at least maintaining some value for the future um, and, uh, and, but not going too crazy at the same time. So that's, that's, uh, at least how I would start is look on your roster and see who can I get rid of or, or who can I afford to get rid of, um, for that production right now. 
Yeah, and like for me today, work was difficult because I'm sitting there and like, dude, it's week 13. This team needs this. This team needs that. And I literally went through to all those bottom six teams. And I think you guys need to look at this and you need to like wrap your head around this. Those bottom six teams, they have a Gus Edwards. They have a guy that you could just add to your roster where you can just throw something in there. Today I got Mike White for John Mechie in a, you know, in a 10-team super flex where I'm like, that could pay off for me. You know what I mean? Like there's guys you got to look of like that guy's not going to do anything for me, but this guy will. And Mike, you're in a lot more leagues even than I am. And I know we're trying to scour this right now. It's like you, you literally, this is the make or break time. I mean, there's so many people in your old school philosophy of fantasy football week 13. I'm not making the playoffs. I'm done. Right. But in real dynasty, this is where we separate the men from the boys, right? This is where you take your team from, you know, rebuilding to, adding a Cooper Cup on the cheap or adding a guy that really could benefit your team like a Brees Hall or things like that where you really separate the men from the boys and we try to do that here on Smash Except. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's several moves I made that I, I didn't feel great about um, in the past couple of weeks. Um, but I know that, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to do things that make you uncomfortable sometimes when it comes to your roster. And, um, you know, you, you got to stop thinking about what you're going to do five years from now. And the pieces mm-hmm. are, you know, everything's changing. The landscape changes so quickly that, you know, win that league this year and then worry about next year. What? And both of you guys even said that, like a right. trade that we're going to reference later. You're like, dude, that's going to hurt in a couple of years. But if you win $500 this year, guess what? It doesn't feel so bad. You yeah, know what I mean? Paid, like it's that for the fees for eternal one. glory. You win one year in some leagues and that pays for 10 years, you know? So that's kind of how I kind of look at things. So we're going to keep going through that. But step two for me is don't be anchored, you know, begin that first to say the trade negotiation, be a good way to take control. So many people are out there and they complain in their group chat. I'm not getting any trade offers. I'm not getting anything on my end. Be aggressive. Go out there and say, you know, today I made a trade and I just texted a guy I'm a friends with. I'm like, hey, you've started Russell Wilson every week this year. That's got to be painful, bro. I have Deshaun Watson coming in this week. I have two other stud quarterbacks. Let's get a deal done. You know what I mean? And you can, we talk about a lot, Josh, about the relationship aspect. And it's a matter of like, when you're that guy that initiates, how do you start that? A lot of people negotiate the wrong way. They come in and say, you know what, you need this, or you know what, I don't want this. But I feel like there's a good way and there's a bad way to start that negotiation. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, um, if you play Dynasty, even in the startup portion of it, it's important to make lasting relationships with all of your league mates. This is a long-term game. This is not just you're hoping to win year one. I want to win year one, year two, three, four, five. And how you're going to do that is you've got to maintain those, uh, I guess, uh, you know, trade opportunities with everyone. If you have mm-hmm. a good relationship with someone where you're not just coming out of the blue and saying, hey, you've got this guy. Let me tell you why it's a good deal for you. I hate uh, that. Hate yeah. That. And, and it's like, where have you been? <laughs> I haven't talked to you since the startup, you know, right. and there's there's immediate, um, you know, tension there or there's. Uh, it's much more easy for trade negotiations to go hostile in some way. Um, and, but here's you, you really have to hopefully have, have laid the foundation with a relationship at first. But how you start those negotiations is not so much saying, uh, you know, kind of bossing them around or telling them why they should do this necessarily. You kind of probe, like you said, hey, you know, I'm looking at your roster, uh, you know, I know that this, this has to probably be a weak spot. I think we might be able to find some common ground. You know, uh, even just using terms that it's going to, uh, you know, be beneficial for both, not starting with a with a low ball, mm-hmm. but starting with something where it can be countered at least. Um, and even if you're the one, sometimes you get the ridiculous offer, uh, but don't respond harshly to them because, you know, at least when I get somebody responding harshly to me, it, it makes me not want to even talk to them very much. You yeah. know, so even if you get that bad offer, just responding by saying, hey, you know, I think we value players a little bit differently. Um, this is what I see, you know, and so so that's where I think one of my strengths is, is at least uh, developing relationships with everybody so that the conversations stay open year round. Um, and so when I come knocking on the door, it's not like you haven't heard from me, you know, yeah. so I guess the, the relationship aspect is a big part, obviously wanting to be mutually beneficial and starting with an offer that's not going to be ridiculous. 
um, or make no sense to them. And you brought up a great point that I think is is crucial for Dynasty. It's not for fantasy football. It's not for like your redraft, but for Dynasty, it's a matter of like, hey, where did you come up with that evaluation? Like for me, it's like, oh, did you use KTC? Did you do Dynasty Trade Calculator? Do you use DLF? Do you listen to this podcast, that podcast? Get where they're coming from because you want to understand why they offered you Jonathan Taylor for, you know, Najee Harris or like even less than that, you know, like, where did you come up with that? You know, like there's an idea where you came up with that. Let's, let's bridge that gap and let's talk about it. You know? And I think you're not always going to get those information. You're always going to get those few owners that really come at you harshly. But Mike, I mean, you're in so many leagues as well. Like we have to keep those lines of negotiation open. You have to really be in that area where, you know, you approach an owner from an area of, Hey, let's, let's work this out together. Yeah, you don't want to burn a bridge in, in fantasy. You don't want to just completely, you know, destroy a, a trade partner, you know, because that's just it doesn't benefit you at all. Um, even if, like Josh said, you're getting your bad trade offers and how you respond to those is really important um, because some people just don't understand what value is. They don't get what a player value is and they just kind of are throwing things out there and hoping for the best. And um, there's a way to respond and then you know, you can, you can almost educate people without being pretentious. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can say, Hey, this is how I value this player. And this is where I would put this player. Then you, you build up a counter and you say, this is what I would like for that player. And um, you can kind of go from there. And usually I get good responses. You know, I, I say, this is it. And, and then I usually, I'm always messaging people while I'm sending trade offers. I'm like, Hey, let me know what you think of this. Um, I'm always loving the meet in the middle option where, you know, I could take a little bit of your trade, a little bit of my trade, and we could build a beautiful baby together. And, um, it's just, that's kind of how you have to do it. You have to slow play it too. Some trades go on for weeks. Some trades mm-hmm. are minutes. Um, you know, you just have to, you have to understand the trade partner too. And you have to understand what they have going on. People have busy schedules and you don't push people. You don't say, you know, I need to offer by tomorrow or I'm, I'm not trading, you know, just don't say silly stuff like that. And you take your time with it. And it just, usually people respect that and you can, you can build a good relationship through that way. We're not all degenerates, you know, like all of us want that offer, (laughs) like responded within five minutes, you know, but we we all have different lives and I, I love that aspect and I, and, and how you deal with that. And it's just, it's, the, the biggest thing for me is like, there's so many guys that have said, hey, don't let such and such in the Smash Patreon because we talk about these things, you know, and I'm I'm so excited for next year to let that grow, you know, it's, it's closed up for this year, but like the thought process that we all have gone through and we've all sharpened each other, you know, and it's, it's so awesome, you know, that we're all like moving towards that area and, and you guys have talked about that personal growth as well. Um, I think we move on to the next one is, is know when you can compromise, you know, step three is know where you can compromise. I think don't cave in, but know what positions you're willing to do in and what, what the trade can be done beforehand. So Josh, if I'm coming to you, I might offer player X and Y for your player Z, but then knowing in the back of my head, you know what, I'm willing to add a second, but maybe I don't have to, you know, like I'm going to start out with this, but in my head, I'm ready to go to this. And I think it expectations are so important when it comes to relationships, when it comes to talking about trades, where it's like, this is what I'm going to start out with, but I know this is what I'm going to go out with. You know, this is what I'm willing to offer. And I think so many people are like, they send that hard offer first and then that's it, right? Like, if you don't accept my hard offer, you're an idiot. You know, like there's so much of that where in the back of my head, when I send you a trade, I have a slightly different thought process of what I'm willing to do and I think about, okay, I have three tight ends, so I might be willing to add Cole Komet to this deal. I have two extra running backs that I don't need that I can add such player, you know. And I think we need to think a little bit further out and just say, what am I willing to compromise on? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great point because even in the art of negotiation, I mean, I you know, putting myself through my extended education and working a job full time often it was in sales and i mean there is something to be said about the um the emotional release that we get as humans when we feel like we're getting a deal right you know so so if i start at an offer that i know i can go lower or, or i can i can um 
you know, maybe even give a little bit more, but I started an offer um, and they say, no, you know, I need a little bit more. And then I say, fine, fine. You know, I'm going to give you a little bit more. Let's just get this deal done. In it's that used mind, car mentality, right? Like we're exactly. hey, throw in some tires. Can we cut cut off two hundred bucks? We just love a little bit some of something extra. So if you don't, um, you you might just be wasting that opportunity. We're not trying to be manipulative or, um, or I guess just lack integrity, but at the same time, it really is the art of of just negotiation. If you mm -hmm. start at your best and final. Well, there's no wiggle room. There's just no feeling of compromise. It, yeah. it immediately starts as a tense offer instead of a fluid uh, conversation. Right. So, I always like those trades where like, right. I always feel when I send you an offer and you accept it right away, I'm like, oh man, maybe yeah. there was a little bit more in there. But then on the other side, I can't stand the deal where the guy goes, throw in Austin Eckler and we have a deal. And you're like, bro, <laughs> dude. No, that's like not how it's going to go. Mike, you and I made a deal in Smash 7 where, you know, it was Isaiah Pacheco in a 23 second was was the core of it, right? But then mm -hmm. I was like, you had to have been thinking, you know what, like I'm willing to throw in this and that. And to me, I was a rebuilding team. And to me, it felt like a win, but all I got was Kylan Granson in a fourth. But it was like, to me, I'm like, okay, I got a little bit more than just that 23 second but on your end you, that had to be deals where you're like that doesn't hurt me at all you know and that's some sweeteners that i can add to the deal where we got to think about this is our initial this is where we're going to yeah and you have to look at your builds and i'm all in in that league and i'm going it is what it is and i don't mind paying top dollar for a guy that might not even be in the well he'll be in the league but he won't be a, a premier back or a lead back um, next year. And I understand that, but I, like you said, you got to make those moves that might hurt your future or might be a little painful for you right now, but it's, you know, I don't mind throwing a couple picks on top to get a guy that might not be on my roster next year. That's fine with me. Um, well, and Kylan Granson's a guy that probably is never going to start for me. And on the flip side, yeah. a fourth, a fourth round pick is an 8% hit rate at best. You know what I mean? So you're like, that's, that's super low. So you throw that in there. I've never drafted a full disclosure. I've never drafted a fourth round pick in my life. I've dealt every really? single one of them. Never done There's it. A, Third. Gabe yeah. Davis is on my team. I got, yeah. he's, he's doing okay. But, but it's, it's hard to hit there, you know? So the next part is step four and five. They're kind of close together. Four is aim for a win-win situation. So all parties are ready for another deal. And step five is have a plan B and know when to walk. I mean, Mike, I'm going to go back to you. You know, we're aiming for a win-win situation. If I say to you, hey, throw in Dalton Schultz, well, Dalton Schultz is worth more than Pacheco. So why are we even doing that? You know, and like we get into those areas where you have to know, you know what, I'm out. Like we have to know where it's win-win, but then we have to know where it's like, you know what, you're just trying to get too much. I'm out. Yeah, you got to have that communication and just say, all right, I don't, I don't think we're going to meet in the middle here. And um I always say, maybe we can revisit later. You know, that's my line. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, everyone knows that that's what I say. And people are going to say, you're going to hit me with a revisit. Like people in my home leagues will actually say, is it revisit time? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to revisit this. It's See, I like the time. revisit. What I hate is I'll think about it and then they never get back to you, right? Like yeah. that one, that one bothers me. That one never gets in there. But Josh, you know, like one quote that I really come out with when it comes to trades is, Position yourself as a solution, right? Like we always position ourselves in the trade negotiations. Is how is that person going to make me better? But a lot of times I'm thinking like today when I made, I made four trades today, how am I going to make you better? And in turn, mentally flip it of how I'm going to get better. Right. Yeah. And you have to think that way because nobody's going to accept a trade where they feel like they're losing it all. Um, you know, right. often in Dynasty, the nice thing about Dynasty is even if somebody gets a short term win versus they're giving up long term wins, at least they're getting a win. You yeah. know, so if you're if you're looking at a trade and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, um, if I got this offer, I don't see any win in the short or long term, then just don't even offer it because there's right. just, it's not going to be accepted. It's going to it's going to create hostility. And I think another point to be added is just to you guys mentioned this a little bit and you knowing your league mates. Part of this is knowing, um, you know, when to strike when the iron's hot, you know, because some league mates don't respond to you for like days and then mm -hmm. they'll get on and respond to you all of a sudden. Well, that's not the time to dance around and try to hold out for that third or fourth right. round. 
You know, sometimes you just have to sacrifice and say, you know what? He's talking to me right now. If this, gets, if this gets the deal done, let's just do it. Because if I if I wait another day and try to extend out for just a third, it's not even worth it because they'll probably forget and they don't even care anymore. Whereas a guy like you, you know, uh, you know, you guys, uh, you guys are always talking. So I'm sure you guys can make the, the back and forth little things that might push over a deal. But there's sometimes you just got to be like in home leaks. You might experience this where it's like I can't get a hold of the guy for like a yeah. week and a half. And now he texted me back. OK, let's do just, it. Let's just get the deal done. When I love that in Sleeper, you see their icon at the bottom and you're like, yeah. yo, he looked at this. Let's get in there. Let's get it done. You know, like that's the that's the time to get it going. Um, guys, we're going to transition now. And that was great content. I love it. I talked to both of these guys on the regular. If you guys aren't following them, that's, that's at Fantasy Nerd Boy, at JB Under Shepherd. Guys, what we're going to transition now is into something we're going to be really moving on to in our in our secondary podcast here is smash or pass, looking at market value. You know, I think a lot of times we just look at the X's and O's, but we don't look at the real market value and how you can extrapolate value from that. And I think one of the biggest guys to do that right now is Garrett Wilson. You know, I think Garrett Wilson we've talked about all year long. Mike, smash or pass, Garrett Wilson is now a top seven dynasty wide receiver this season smash love it Smash for sure why because he was my guy um from day one you know i i did get a little wishy-washy when it came to london um getting that high draft capital i want to suggest to everyone that if you guys have a guy at the beginning just stick to your guy and don't let all the draft capital stuff whitewash your your mentality and um you know, I, I do regret taking London in a couple of leagues over Wilson because I was so high on him. Um, he is an alpha. You know, he was an alpha in college. He was an alpha on, on a team with Olave and JSN. You know, he was the guy. And that was going to – I mean, I was like, he's the top guy with these two other guys that are amazing right. that could easily be top ten in the NFL. Um and the tricky part with that is we bring in analysts, great analysts. I mean, Matt Waldman and and Matt Hicks and so many guys, and we hear so much information. And you and I have talked on the phone multiple times where we had both Burke and Burks and Wilson over London, over Alave, and we kind of like that was a great take where it's like trust your gut, you know, like you you put in the work, you know, that's the guy. My question to you is. We got 2023 fever going on right now, right? And and Garrett Wilson right now, I, I also have him. I have him as my dynasty wide receiver 6-7 range. I mean, there's Chase, there's JJ, there's Lamb, AJ Brown, Waddle. And then you have to debate maybe Amon Ra a little bit. But if I come to you right now and say, do you want Amon Ra, St. Brown, or Garrett Wilson? I'm, I'm taking Garrett Wilson. He feels like a much safer Oreo cookie to me than Amon Ra, St. Brown. You know what I mean? But if I'm coming to you right now and I say, hey, 105 or Garrett Wilson, what are you doing, Mike? Because that's where Smith and Jigba goes. You know, like if we're talking yeah. that way, that's if you got to choose between those two guys right now without landing spot and, and without knowing who the quarterback is for the Jets. I mean, Mike White made Garrett Wilson look legit. Zach Wilson did not. So, I mean, we have that slight, where are we moving here? Yeah, I think I'd take the 105 over Garrett Wilson. Um Ooh. Yeah. Hey, I mean, no, I I, I agree take... with him. <laughs> I agree with him. Yeah, because I I love Garrett Wilson. I do. Um, I I love Addison too, and yeah, I think he's going to be an alpha in the NFL. Um, he's going to, I think, produce day one. Um, the The Jets don't scare me because he was the one with Flacco and he's the one with Mike White. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that ruined his value was Wilson. And I don't know if we're going to see Wilson again. Um, I personally do not think, I mean, I I've gone out there and I talked to, to John. I mean, I got, I gave up Mechie in a third. I gave up a pair of thirds. I gave up some force. Now I own Zach Wilson in 14 leagues and you got to look, man. I mean, he's looking at Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle. If, Mike White holds his job. He is a league winner with those matchups. You know, like, I know there's a lot to throw in there, 
I don't think Zach Wilson is that guy. <clears throat> but if Mike White plays like he did against Chicago, who's a solid defense, posting 30, depending on what your league format is, <clears throat> 34 fantasy points. I mean, he looked fantastic. Uh, Josh, if I'm coming to you right now, and I want you to smash or pass these, we all agree that those top five are, are where they are. If I come to you and I say, hey, <clears throat> Tyreek Hill or Garrett Wilson, who you got? All right. In a vacuum, in a startup, for example, <coughs> um, I would probably – I'd probably lean Garrett Wilson. Uh, but if I'm win now and, and clearly win now, I would rather have Tyreek Hill. And by yeah. the way, my – my uh, my exaggerated boo to Mike was not because I so much disagreed with his take, but truly he's been in on Garrett Wilson from the very beginning. He's he's the guy that's like stuck true to him, and so right. I, I've, been, I've I've loved to see his call come to fruition, and then for him to just abandon him like that, you know, for the one oh five. I mean, the one oh five is juicy this year, bro. But but here's what we have to remember, you know, just a little, just a little. The counter argument is. We've seen Garrett Wilson post mm-hmm. people at the NFL level. Right. Post it's always that risk of the yeah, unknown versus what we've seen. Yeah, I agree. And then, then, but the Jets' future is very scary. So I agree. Probably in a vacuum, 105. I just want the audience to know I don't disagree with Mike so much as I just, I, I'm proud of him for being in on Garrett Wilson. And so I just wanted him to stick with his boy, you know. So. And here's the one that gets a little bit trickier T. Higgins or Garrett Wilson. That's not tricky. So Garrett Wilson to us is that wide receiver six right now. Chase Jefferson, Chase, Lamb, AJ Brown, Waddle, and we're we're putting Garrett Wilson all the way up there. Is that where we're at right now? Mike, do you think do you, do you go Garrett Wilson over Higgins or do you like Higgins more? Um They're they're very close. I think I don't know. Higgins is what his last year of his rookie contract, right? And he's there's no way he's going back to. I don't think he's going back to Cincy. I don't think they have the money to keep both. Am I wrong? Is he on the last? No, year I think he's contract? got another one. I think he he's has got another one more one year, here. right? Yeah, I'm gonna look into that real quick. But I mean, I think it's. it's I want an alpha for me. I don't know. I want if, that guy who's he, number one. You know what I mean? I think. T. Higgins right now we're looking at no he's got a four year deal so he's wrapped up for the next two years. Oh, okay. so yeah, I'd yeah, say, he's I'll, he's gonna uh, be there. <clears throat> I'll take Wilson, I think. You know, it's, it, not, it's definitely tight. Sure on it, but and, and but before the season, I mean, we look at been T. Higgins of the one hundred and five. It wouldn't even been close. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's another shout out to the twenty twenty three class where we're talking about a guy who's showing out this well, and we're we're still debating. The 105, you know what I mean? And and in years past, if a guy 21 years old like Garrett Wilson balled out like he did, right now he's the wide receiver 21. If Mike White's starting a little bit more, if Zach Wilson, you know, is is less concentrated on the milfs, we might have a situation here where he is a wide receiver one his rookie season. And I think that's just a testament to what 2023 is going to be. And I, I know you guys are going to be we've we've pushed it so hard on this podcast to go out and collect those picks. Literally, I have it as our advertisement in the beginning of go get more 2023 first. So go do that. Uh, next one, Josh, Trevor Lawrence against Baltimore this week looked fantastic. You know, like we've been waiting for that time where he looked like he just turned the corner. And I think, I mean, I watched that entire game. I watched every snap and Trevor Lawrence, that second half looked like he just took that next evolution. And I think for me, he's turned that corner. I own him in multiple leagues. Josh, smash or pass Trevor Lawrence as a top 10 quarterback, including 2023 picks. Uh, I'm going to pass, but that's not because that's not because that's far off. That's an excellent line. Um, In fact, if you look at not, not including the 23 picks for a second, I have him at QB 11. So um, I would have Watson slightly above him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watson and Tua slightly above him, uh, which slots him in and, and T Law in between Watson and Dak. Yeah. So, so that's where I have. So te- that's why I had to pass because he's technically not in the top ten, but he's he's right on the verge. And something to remember with him is, I mean, he's doing this with uh, nothing, with, with not the greatest cast. I mean, ETN's great, 
Um, and Kirk has been awesome, but they have Ridley for next year. And if mm -hmm. uh, you can't tell me that that's not going to at least be an upgrade over what they have, um, ETN, uh, this is his first full year under him. I would imagine even more improvement from him. So there, and, and frankly, the Jags defense isn't really, you know, outstanding. So that always makes for a good fantasy recipe. Um, so that's one I could definitely be wrong on. I could see me really regretting that. Um, because he, he's going to have the weapons. But as of right now, he sits at QB 11 for me, so I'll pass. Yeah, and I mean, we're looking at an offensive line that has not excelled. He is the QB 10 right now. He, he does lack a little bit of that rushing upside, but I feel like we're seeing an evolution here um, where he, he is in that area, and we're finally getting back to Fields has come to fruition. Lawrence looks like he's there, and I think we're starting to get Mike, I know you're doing some some fantasy drafts right now where that end of that first round where last year looked pretty nasty, we're starting to get those wide receivers where it's starting to push some serious talent towards the end of that first round. Yeah, I'm actually in a startup right now. I'm checking I'm checking it out. I'm checking if I'm coming up right now. But um, there was – so the first round, Chase, JJ, and CD all went in the first round. Wow. Oh. And I, on the turn, I walked with Kyler and Fields. I love that. Um, so I, Kyler, at the the back end of the first round is incredible value for me, mm -hmm. and that's insane. But, um, yeah, we're we're seeing people shift a little bit, um, which is going to benefit, and especially in Superflex, I've never have seen CD go in the first, and that's why I love doing a startup mid season. You know, just to see how values have changed yeah. and and where people are going. Um, T Law, he went. 2.3, 2.4, actually. I okay. Think. And um, and that's interesting to me because it, as being a part of Smash 3 through Smash 7, he typically went 205 to 208. So he's QB 10, having a solid season, really hasn't moved up much at all, you know? Yeah, I think he went and then Watson. No, Watson went right before him. So it was Watson and then T-Law. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what we have to look at sometimes is as like part of that negotiation that we were talking about. That that holds true to startups, you know. Um, we're looking at Smash 7 that you and I were in, and I had the 101, and I took Josh Allen, you know, and then I had actually flipped Josh Allen for Trevor Lawrence at that, I believe it was 208 and 223 seconds. And we got to look at that that value that you're able to get, you know, in that time, in that startup. And we're going to do startup season, and I know Smash 8 is right around the corner. It sounds crazy, but we're going to be doing those. And I think whenever you can add value, I mean, I think it was a great trade at the time for the guy that went in there. But at, as we look at it right now, it's Trevor Lawrence, the 103 and the 108. And when you when you put it that way, that's going to get juicy. You know, like that that is an area where whenever you can move back and add value like that in that area, I think those are negotiations where it, it started with, you know, Josh Allen for Trevor Lawrence and 123 first. I bumped it up to 223 first. And you got to really work through those negotiations. And in startups, I feel like negotiations, Mike, are a little bit different as far as like people are more willing to pay up than they are once, this, once they see what that is, right? Like so many people struggle with, they see numbers, but they don't see players. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to make moves for um, premier players in a startup. So if you can... Mm -hmm figure out ways to do that. And um, I'd love to help anybody out. If you want to come into my DMS and talk to me about startup trades and mm -hmm. um, figure out player values. And it's really easy to have an idea of where the player is going to go. So if you get, you know, a six round for a 10th and a 12th or something silly like that, um, you can, you can pretty much, you know, figure out where these players are going to go. Um, and I think that's hard for that's hard for people to look at. I mean, Josh, I know when you joined Smash Three, you and I had been talking for a while, you know, and I'd answered a lot of your Twitter questions. I mean, what were you expecting versus the fact that you saw 108 trades in Smash Three? 108, you know, like I was part of 38 of those. But talk to me a little bit about that experience because it had to be eye opening, you know, like you you're doing a couple leagues here and there, and then all of a sudden you get into a Smash League, and you're like, what was that? Uh, yeah, it, well, it was everything I wanted it to be because that uh, I live for the startup. Uh, it's just my uh, the way I am. I mean, it is so funny how slow draft startups 
are just a longer period of being consumed on your phone for that amount of time because it's like I just think it is so cool to be able to make those deals. So so yeah, I love I loved it. Made a lot of deals myself. I think it was I think I might have been been sick at the time, and it was a great time to be sick because I could just be be on the phone and making deals. And it was a great group of guys. Uh, so yeah, that's a shout out to all the the Smash people. But but something to to note as well, you know, I think um, you know Mike mentioned this too, and in, in just taking advantage of these startup trades, and you mentioned this as well, Dad. But the um, but one trade uh, doesn't mean it has to be the final trade. Mike, mm-hmm. I think you did uh, one recently where you kind of cascaded a couple trades together. Ended up uh, just because you were active and talking trade with people you uh, objectively made out better by making two trades um, than you started. And so I think people miss opportunities when, they, when they're when they not even talking to people, not making those startup moves. And uh, and yeah, it's something we love to do is, is trade. That's for sure. That's well, they, get, they get closed-minded, right? Like there's a lot of times I was making trade offers and someone in week two, they're like, I don't want Rashad White. I don't want this player. And you're like, why not? It's value. It's equity. You build that together. Speaking of Rashad White, Mike, I mean, smash or pass, Rashad White will be a dynasty RB1 as long as Leonard Fournette is out. And if we carry that over into 2023 and, you know, Tom Brady leaves and Fournette finds another home, how high of an expectation do we have for Rashad White? I mean, in Smash 2, I made a deal with Dynasty Jacobian and it felt like an overpay at at first. I dealt... DeAndre Swift, Jerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb. But I got Justin Jefferson and Rashad White on an all-in team where now I have Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. And, man, does it feel good. Yeah, I, I'm i going to – I'm going to pass Rashad being an RB1. But I think he, he definitely has a high ceiling. Um, his receiving work is going to always keep him pretty high. Um it's just the Bucks offensive line. We're seeing that with Fournette. Mm-hmm. We're just it's so hard to be efficient behind that line. There's really, you know, they're not getting a lot of holes. They're not able to move the ball a lot. And um I think if if Brady leaves, um, I don't know what direction that team's gonna go, but I think he's definitely gonna be their future guy. Um, yeah. just based off of the work he's getting right now. And th- those um, pass catching up. chops are legit. I mean, you look at it, yeah. you know, like he did, he ran for 4.57 yards per carry, which is not bad, 14 for 64, but nine for nine, 45 yards. He is one of the elite pass catching wide receivers or running, running backs in the game. And I, I think, you know, I think a lot of people are sleeping on him a little bit too much. You know, like I got a lot of criticism when I made that trade because people are like, I can't believe – you know, you dealt DeAndre Swift in that deal. And I was like, I could see a scenario in two months from now where Swift just keeps trending the wrong direction because of usage and Rashad White takes off. Uh, Mike, I, I don't know how many shares you have of him. I've been buying him up for seconds. I want to talk a little bit about a deal that I made. Um, you know, we talk about timing is everything. You know, and I made this trade in uh, September. You know, we just we just started getting going, and the guy's like, hey, Dad, I need a running back. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got James Conner. Love James Conner, right? I trade James Conner, and we start talking, and I was like, you know what? I kind of like this Rashad White kid. I, I I have an interest in him. He's like, okay, let's start talking the negotiations. And for me, I was like, I need a, I need a backup tight end. Cole Komet's really struggling. Why don't, you get, why don't you throw him in? He's like, yeah, that's no problem. And I was like, and, you know, I, I need some wide receiver depth. Give me Brandon Cooks. He's like, yeah, no problem. And I was like, man, let me think about this for a little bit. So I come back with him and I was like, let's just change 24 and 25 seconds. So I end up getting Rashad White, Cole Komet, Brandon Cooks in a 24 second for a 25 second and James Conner. And when you look at that, I mean, right now, no one is giving you Rashad White for James Conner, you know. But in September, this trade looked a lot different, you know, and I think timing is everything this is why we're talking about knowing your league mates i knew he needed a running back he really wanted james connor hard and we have to think sometimes of like hey can you add this right and like when is enough enough right i was like what about cole Komet? and he's like yeah i don't want him you know and then i was like what about brandon cooks he's like yeah that's fine you know and then you're like what about a 24 25 flip i mean when is enough enough and like talk to me a little bit about that early stage negotiation because timing is everything but 
sometimes you ask for too much and then it just sours it. Yeah. So I haven't seen any white trades recently, um, but I had acquired him um, actually in startup. I acquired him very cheap. You know, mm -hmm. I was I was getting him for 23 thirds um, at the time. So that's amazing. And, yeah. I'm offering 24 firsts right now and I don't feel bad about it. I really no, don't. I, like, I would offer a pair of 23 seconds. I feel 24 firsts is, and I, I know Josh is going to come at me on that. That feels a little pricey. A pair of 23 seconds, smash. Yeah, I don't even mind the 24 first, but I think you and I are a little more active than um, than Josh as far as trades go because I don't care about dishing a 24 first right now. I know that I have plenty of time to get them back, mm -hmm. and um, that's just kind of how my mindset is. It's I can I can dish these picks out, I can get them back, and maybe that's a little a little too much. Um, as no, far that's as that's, that's the difference picking, in but. in volume trading is you look at. 23 is right now and 24 seems like 10 years from now and and uh, Josh <laughs> let's look at on the flip side here I mean are we panicking on Leonard Fournette right now I mean we have the playoffs coming around Leonard Fournette is the apple of Tom Brady's eye he's clearly not dead but as long as you know when when he comes back how do you see the the backfield shaking up and are we smashing or passing at a 23 second you know, a mid 23 second for Leonard Fournette right now being a, you know, 26 year old running back who's clearly showed signs of being fantastic at times. Yeah. There, there's a lot that you guys said there. Love that trade that you did, by the way, that's why volume traders like yourself, you will come away with trades like this where you look back and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is a great deal. So great job. I I've seen it firsthand also with Mike, how he treats his picks he does not value them very much because he just he throws them out there, gets a guy back, but then he'll sell it back for yeah. probably more. So, so absolutely, just wanted to echo that. As far as the twenty-four first for Rashad White, or even two twenty-three twos, um, there's a reason I'm a little bit hesitant, and that's because of Leonard Fournette. I don't think he's just going to go away. Um, I think that um, you know it, they like having him in in various scenarios. I think Tom Brady trusts him still. So there's a couple reasons why I think Leonard Fournette's not going to just go away. One, he can't go away because of his contract in the sense of next year, uh, I was looking at this, he's still under contract with, I think, $8.5 million owed with a $5 million dead cap hit. So even yeah. if they did something, they can't even really release him until the following year. So he's going to mm -hmm. be there through 2023. It'd be foolish not to unless he just got, got there. So. When I'm thinking of a two-year window for Dynasty, which is typically what I'm trying to think of, at least a two-year, if not a little bit further out, he's going to be there. Plus, running back injuries happen all the time, which we just saw Fournette get injured. There's a very real chance Rashad White might get injured over the next two years, which, mm -hmm. getting back to your original question, would I pay a 23-second for Leonard Fournette? Yes. Um, if, if I would pay two 23-seconds for Rashad White, I certainly should be willing to pay a 23 second for Leonard Fournette, who's trusted by Brady. Even if Brady goes away, he's going to be there for one more year. Worst case scenario, he becomes like a Kareem Hunt to a Nick Chubb type. Um, and that's still valuable. So mm -hmm. a 23 second for, especially in smash settings where it's 0.25 points per carry, you know, he's going to be trusted at the goal line. He's trusted in these big spots. I don't think he's going away. I would pay a 23 second why I'm whole, you know, I'm pumping the brakes on White just because he's going to linger and be a nuisance. Um, but I love the talent of White, and I'm really excited to see it on full display. And, uh, you know, so great job for you guys for acquiring him so cheap. I love it. I love it. Josh, um, I'm going to send you Fournette um, in the Jimmy Butler League probably in 20 minutes. So I'm just, okay. just beware. <laughs> wait for that. I love it. Wait for that, uh, that trade in your inbox. All right? There's going to be some Fournette deals going down. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, right. And this made me think of, we talked about negotiations and a trade that I made today. And, you know, we talked about last week, Josh, John and I went over how to go all in, you know, how to do that. And I know I sent this trade to you guys immediately and I want to get your reactions. And I also want to talk to you about the negotiations. So my friend, Dan, awesome guy, you know, a huge Buffalo Bills fan. And we, I was like looking at his roster. I'm like, dude, you got to be tired of starting Russell Wilson. Like you have to be right. And it's a 10 team league. And we, for me, when I look at Superflex 10 team leagues, I look at the studs up here. And then I look at quarterbacks 
as a little bit less value. And I have Patrick Mahomes and I have Lamar Jackson. And I was like, I got Deshaun Watson and he's just been sitting there. And I've been, I've been flexing Cole Komet and, and, you know, David Njoku in non-premium because I lost so many players. I lost Brees Hall. I lost Fournette. I lost some studs and I'm trying to four Pete. So I messaged Dan and I'm like, you got to be tired of this, right? Like I got three quarterbacks. What do you want to do? You know, and two weeks ago we traded, I got ETN for Devontae Adams. So I gave him Devontae Adams and he's in this spot right now where he's in the seven seed, right? So he might not make the playoffs. I'm the one seed. I'm trying to four Pete, right? So we're talking and I said, Hey bro, this is what I'm going to offer you. So I offer him, I offer him to Sean Watson and I believe uh, Najee Harris for Jonathan Taylor and Devontae Adams. He messages me back and he's like, I don't really want Kamara anymore. I'm a little worried about Kamara. He's like, here's the deal. It's Devontae Adams and Kamara for Deshaun Watson. I pound that smash accept button because for me, now I went from Cole Komet and David Njoku to Devontae Adams and Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara has the best, friendliest playoff schedule there is, period. And I know he's had some struggles and I know people are a little worried there, but I I feel like I, I think back to that game he had where he had the, was it five touchdowns? And I think... Cole Kamara, Cole, uh, blah, blah, blah. Cole Komet is not a league winner where Alvin Kamara is. You know, David Njoku is not a league winner where Devontae Adams is. So I went in on this knowing that I can get another quarterback. I bought Mike White for a fourth. Now Mike White is my third quarterback, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm willing to go all in in this sense because this is how I, how I view it. I'm willing to do those things. And Josh, you, you on the other side, you know, you and I have different philosophies on that where your initial reaction was, was what? My initial reaction was that's something that I would have a hard time doing because I know my propensity. I know, uh, you know, objectively, like in a startup, right? Deshaun Watson, even in a 10 team league might crack that first round, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, depending on the settings, he might be early second, but so that's an extremely valuable asset. So I tend to look at things from a startup perspective. That's not always the wisest thing to do because you need to be able to, adapt based on need the more and more i thought about it though this is what contenders ought to do if you're not sacrificing production this year and you're trading a depth piece for two huge impact pieces to get you that championship well it makes sense right and then if you're an active trader like you both are next year you'll have kamara and Devonte adams to sell for at a premium when they're yes. still doing well. You right. know? So- and as soon as the season rolls around and people start winning, they're going to want those guys. The only other yeah. choice I had to sell was Brees Hall. And man, do I love Brees Hall. Like I, I'm in a situation where if I have Mahomes and Lamar, this is a position of strength. And a lot of times people were willing to sell Deshaun Watson for pennies on the dollar in week four. I'm selling him in week 13, Mike, because I'm like, now he's – now he's relevant, right? Like week four, it's out of sight, out of mind. Nobody cares about it. Week 13, all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson comes back and he's been off football for a year and a half. So we can't expect absolute fire right off the bat. But for me, it went from a position of need to a position of strength. Yeah, when I first saw that trade, it, it hurt a little bit. But I I didn't have the contacts. I didn't know your league size. I didn't know your league, your team situation or anything like that. Uh, my thinking was, you know, why hold Watson for this long just to to dish him? Um, but then, you know, ten team league that that makes sense to me because, you know, there's not a premium at, at quarterback um, yeah. with that many teams, and um, I, I do like it because, like Josh said, I think you're going to be able to resell those players. Um, you know, they're not going to lose value next year, even. And the with hardest thing to situation. do when you win one, people are like, you got to, you know, they're coming after you, right? You win two. Okay, they're tired of it. Win three, they're like, yo, dad, knock it off. And then somehow you, Josh, what you said before is that league is one of my most friendliest leagues where it's a matter of we're talking in negotiations and everybody's chill about it because we have a, a good relationship. You know what I mean? Like I made this message. He could have been like, dude, dad's going for his fourth. Forget this. You know, but he was like, hey, go get it. Now I got my quarterback for the playoff run. Best of luck. You know, and like, I love that kind of negotiation. It's like a brotherhood. It's like, you know, it's, it's fun instead of like, you know what? We don't want dad to win anymore. Let's, let's cut him off. Let's, let's take him out at the knees, you know? And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that, that type of uh, thinking does happen in some of the home leagues. Of course. I've got some, uh, 
I've got a few family leagues that I, I, I swear I have been just boycotted. You know, like yep. I, I've even had one of my cousins tell me, my dad said not to trade with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dad says no. Why? Like, man, you know, come on. And so, uh, so yeah, it's very important to have, have those deals. And you know what that means? Again, you can make a deal like that because if you have great relationships with them and it's very active and you get deals done, that just makes Devontae Adams and Kamara all the more sellable, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you'll be able to have those conversations. You know, of course, we have our concerns with Kamara. He's going to need that easy schedule, but he's got yeah. that easy schedule. And that's what that's what you would want, ideally. I mean, it is a cakewalk for his playoff schedule, you know, and it's like that's what we're looking for. I have him on a lot of my teams. I've been able to acquire him cheap of late. And I just, I'm holding out, you know, we look at this and you look at weeks 15, 16 and 17 and you're like, what am I going to get out of this player? You know, and I know he's wide, or he's RB 15 on the season. He's had four straight weeks where he's, he's struggling a little bit, but Josh, he gets Atlanta, Cleveland and Philly in the playoffs, all bottom 10, you know? And I think there's that situation where I just keep looking at like Las Vegas in week eight, he posted 47 you know, and in Seattle, 29. And those are the weeks where it's like Alvin Kamara is that guy that has the potential to win you your league, which is much cheaper than, than some of those other ones. And that's um, a great point. Let me just say this, too. If you're buying Kamara, don't forget to sell the very real possibility that he could be suspended for a game or two next year. Absolutely. It's just, it's I don't always, care about that, though. It, that's what I'm saying. You know? If you're buying him, don't forget to just insert that. Hey, yep. you know, I'm just – Kamara's probably going to get suspended a year. Let me take him off your hands. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, for sure. You can use And that. if they're not in the playoff scenario and, you you know, they're going to start out next year, maybe productive struggle. Absolutely. Exactly. exactly. Uh, a trade that went down and, you know, one of the guys in our in our Smash Patreon, and I really hope I say it correctly, Tom Ayling, great guy. That's at Tom, A-Y-L-I-N-G. Love him. You know, big Buffalo Bills fan. We're in a league together. Uh, the Dynasty Kings. And he traded Justin Fields in my 23 first. So let's be honest, it's the 112 for Jalen Hurts. You know, and he wanted your guys' initial reaction on that. I had been trying to buy Jalen Hurts for Kyler Murray in a mid 23 second, and this guy didn't want anything to do with it. So we'll start with you, Mike. You got you got three choices here: it's Justin Fields in a 23 first, probably late. No, it's not probably late. It's 111, 112. Jalen Hurts. Or Kyler Murray in a in a mid twenty three second. Those are the three ways we're kind of looking at this. So talk about his trade and talk about what angle you like out of that. Yeah. So if he's going for it this year, he's I don't. Not. He's okay. He's, he's completely out. Oh well, because I have his one hundred two, and I'm just thrilled. Sorry, Tom. I love you though. It's a compete move, you know, because I don't think there's a, a first that separates Fields and Hurts as okay. of right now. Um, they both have that rushing upside. Um, the only reason I would make that move is because Fields might miss a couple day, games, mm-hmm. and I, who knows? He out, he has the very real possibility of of maybe getting shut down because Mooney just got out for the year, and you know they're banged up. I think yeah. you know their defense is all banged up right now, and they they have a perfect situation to kind of go full punt, but. Um, you know, it's I the would, Bears, though. Still, they also traded their 23 second for Chase Claypool. You know, know. they're that yeah. dynasty owner. <laughs> yeah, but I, I still got to take the value on Fields in the first because mm-hmm. I think by this time next year, Hertz and Fields might be three to four spots from each other in okay. startup. You know, I think Fields is going to be a late first, and and Hertz is probably going to be mid first. So it's not like there's a there's not a first separating those spots in my opinion. Um, it's not like he's going from the first three picks in a startup to the last three picks in the first, the startup, you know, it's okay. not, it's, but like I said, you know, um, you can't go wrong with Hertz. And if it's the one twelve, I don't, I don't hate that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking, I'm taking that. I don't, I don't know about Murray in a second. Well, let, let's flip that one to Josh. So, Josh, yeah. you're in a league. You got to know your league mates, right? And you got this guy in there named Dynasty Dad, who you know he said Jalen Hurts was going to be the QB three or better this year, and I got Kyler Murray. So, if I come to you and you got Jalen Hurts, you know your league mates. 
are you doing Jalen Hurts for Kyler Murray in a second? I mean, which side would you rather there? You know, like he, he handled the fields in the 23 first. Let's talk about Kyler in a 23 second or Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I just thought it'd be helpful to bring bring that into this as well and just rank the three. Out of if you said, hey, you can have Justin Fields in a first, a late first, Hertz or Kyler in a second, rank those three. Um, I would take Fields in a first, uh, absolutely number one. You get the insulation with similar upside. Obviously, not the same weapons, not the same organization, but I like Fields there. Then I would take Hertz. I prefer Hertz to Murray in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about Kyler Murray that always feels disappointing as an as a fantasy manager and I don't maybe it's because you see such limitless potential and it maybe it's Cliff Kingsbury actually I know it's Cliff I blame Cliff a lot um and maybe Kyler Murray's you know gaming but Hurts actually I mean I would not uh, I would be totally comfortable in a startup trading from the back of the first to the mid first for a for a what I view as as a tier upgrade um, I know some people might have them in the same tier, but Hertz is that dude with better weapons, with an organization that it does not look like it looks like they're going to keep that core together for a while. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is aging. Um, I like Hopkins there with Hollywood Brown. I think Kyler Murray should just be phenomenal, but I just I would rather have Hertz um, than Kyler in a second. It's tough. I mean, because like, like Kyler Murray's this weird situation, right, dude? Because you're looking at he's QB eight on the season, you know, we're acting like he's been trash, but he's QB eight, you know, like, because we see the ceiling is QB one, right? We're like, Oh, he's QB eight. That's not really that good. And I think there's a, a discount on Kyler Murray. And I think, you know, we've shouted out six months ago. I bought, I got Godwin and Hertz for Kyler Murray. We, we try to get ahead of the game. We tried to get ahead of the game when it came to fields, you know, in that area. And you got to you gotta listen in. You got to know when to buy. Guys, I have one more here, and I, I, I got to get it out there. I know we just hit that area. And this one sent in from my boy Jordan Rump at Rumpy7. He said he's rebuilding right now, Mike, and he has Elijah Moore or Pacheco in a 24-second. Elijah Moore looked good with Mike White. Elijah Moore is a guy who I love on my rebuilding teams. Pacheco's looked good and that you know, that 24 second in there. I mean, is I feel like the value right here and now is on the Pacheco and 24 second side. But if you're rebuilding, I think I want to listen to it from both your sides because Mike, you're the volume guy. You might be able to flip that. Josh, you might be looking at it one for one, you know, and see what we can do. Mike, you first. Yeah, I would take Elijah over Pacheco in a 24 second in a vacuum for sure. I would, if that was just with no idea of the the team build or anything like that, I'm going to take Elijah, but. And here was, here's what I said originally. What if it was 23 second? Oh yeah. I'd take that all day. Right. That's what I told him. That's it. Flip flip Pacheco immediately. Just sell him after. um, I think he might actually have a pretty good game coming up this week. I would sell him immediately after that. And then, and then, you know, with CH, CH probably coming back, maybe um, in a few games or whatever, it's he's going to lose value this year. And then I don't see him being a lead guy next year either. But mm-hmm. um, I like it. What do yeah. you think, Josh? I mean, if they're coming to you that way, talk to me a little bit about how your thought process is on that trade. Someone comes to you and you have Elijah Moore, you're rebuilding, but they throw Pacheco in a second. Pacheco might not be the starter long-term, but you get a 24-second insulation. Yeah, it's it's solid. It's an interesting one because I, I, too, prefer Elijah Moore in a vacuum because of the talent. I believe the talent sticks. Um, but also, Elijah Moore's season at the same time doesn't really warrant that type of return. Right. Either. Exactly. So, but check One out. week. One week gets us excited again. Yeah, and, and I think it's because we see the glimpse. He's a, clearly a talented player, but Here's the, you know, so I, I guess I'll say Elijah Moore, and, and there's just an abundance of caution with a guy like Pacheco because just remember this. In addition to a 2023 class that's very strong, the free agent running back class of this coming offseason, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Kareem Hunt, all these guys that I could, uh, you know, a team like the Chiefs would just love to have uh, get a free agent guy, free agent vet, Pacheco's not the long-term guy, so I would take the the shot on Elijah Moore while at the same time, I, if I was trying to buy Elijah Moore, 
I would offer less than a Pacheco in a second because he he hasn't warranted that right now. So love it. One guy I got to give a shout out to. He sent a couple trades in there uh, at v underscore pizzle. He got he's been listening to the podcast. He's been making memes of me trading all my picks. He's super active, and he he took the advice of buying Rashad White to heart. He sold him for Komet and Tony, and that was two days ago. Fantastic trade. Fifteen days ago, he gave up. Uh, he got Rashad White in a fourth for a second and a third. I mean, like. That, that's some winning type moves. I love that. Guys, it's been a fun show. Uh, I want both of you to tell everybody where they can find you and give me one guy to buy for week 13 that you think is going to separate you a little bit. Josh, they, I always love chopping it up with you. You know, it's been a, a fun time. Talk to me about one guy you're buying and where people can find you. Yeah, uh, well, I'm at uh, JB Undershepherd on Twitter. Um, and the one guy that I really like people to consider buying is Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, I just think, uh, David Bell's that rookie that people are going to be excited about with Watson coming back. Amari mm-hmm. Cooper's the vet and they and rightfully excited about that. Donovan Peoples Jones has been just quietly putting together an Absolutely. extremely nice season with Jacoby Brissett. And you're telling me that he's going to get a quarterback upgrade and might be the cheapest of the three wide receivers. Yeah, I'd like to scoop that up before uh, people become uh, wiser. So that's who I would uh, target. It's probably your one of your last weeks to do so. I like it. And Mike, you know, again, a, a pleasure. We talk all the time on Twitter. We talk all the time on text. But it's always fun face-to-face and talking it out. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you and, you know, a player that you're buying right now. Yeah, you can find me at Nerd Boy Takes at uh, on Twitter, and um, I want to piggyback on Josh. I think anybody in the Cleveland offense is definitely a huge buy right now. Um, I know it might be a little too late, um, but Najoku and Cooper, and, you know Donovan People Jones, all those guys are going to smash with Watson. Um, you know that that offense is going to be humming in a couple weeks. I would uh, also suggest buying Zeke on a contending team. He should be very, very cheap mm-hmm. right now, and everyone's really still on that Pollard hype. Um, I think you probably get Zeke for, you know, a late second or yeah. you know a, a bench player in a third at this point in time, and I think he could really help a contending team um, down in the playoff stretch too. I love it. Both of these guys are absolutely brilliant. Make sure you follow both of them. I'm really excited to be launching Smasher Pass. You know, we, we've played around with some names, and both of these guys are just fantastic to follow. For me, the guy that I want, and it's not just one guy, but I want to look at scenarios. So we're in week 13, right? And you look at that guy who needs to win this week to make the playoffs. Kyler Murray, James Conner in particular, and DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, they're all on bye. You got to look at that scenario there where if I can buy James Conner because that guy needs him right now and I can give him Deontay Foreman in a fourth, like go get James Conner if you're in a situation of power. If you're in a situation where you don't need to win this week, but he does, get James Conner, get DeAndre Hopkins, get him cheaper than what you normally would. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Thank you. Boom! Nailed it.